Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons online on our YouTube channel linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. So we have been going over our first core value over the past couple weeks, biblically grounded and spiritually empowered. And two weeks ago, we talked about the necessity to be grounded in Scripture. We have to know what this says. We have to know. Last week, we talked about how the pathway to knowing what this actually says is through the empowerment that the Holy Spirit gives us to understand what this says and what it means for our life. And to see this for what it is as a love letter unto each of us to help us see through that lens, which the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Today, um, we're going to continue in spiritually empowered. And I want to go ahead and just, if you will, stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God and just turn to Philippians chapter 2. And then a few pages before that, also have kind of thumbed in your Bible, if you have a physical copy, Galatians chapter 3. I just want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. If you've been with us for a while, you've heard these two before. It's important for us to be reminded because this, these two passages present both a question and the answer when it comes to being spiritually empowered. Why do we need to concentrate on that? Why is that a core value of ours? And so we begin with Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 12, verses 12 and 13 is what we're going to read. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is who? God God who works in you, both to will, desire, and to work, accomplish. For his good pleasure. And the question that rises within that is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Is God at work within me, both to desire and to accomplish? And if we turn over to Galatians chapter 3, right off the bat, Paul is in a very straightforward but loving but very truthful and important way admonishing them. Verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Father, teach us this ever so important truth, the necessity of this life that you have called us and invited us into in being empowered by you and your spirit. Help us to see in a new and fresh way today. In Jesus' name, in the empowerment of your spirit sent to help us out 
to help us understand, I am asking, release yourself among our hearts and among our ears and among our minds. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to help us accomplish this task. Uh, and <laughs> how I'm going to do it is by undertaking an even more impossible task. I want to walk us through a deeper understanding of what it means to be spiritually empowered by understanding more fully who this Holy Spirit is. This Holy Spirit who empowers us, who is he? And I want to begin from an impossible place, a brief explanation of the Trinity. Good luck is right. I literally need the Holy Spirit to help me do this. Here's the deal. God is love. God is perfection. The Father is not just the penultimate example of things like holiness and righteousness. He is those things. He is glory, and the Father has glory no matter what. Listen, whether or not you recognize it, whether or not you acknowledge it, whether or not you respond to it has no bearing on the fact that he has glory. Just like you can close your eyes and refuse to look at the light that the sun provides, it doesn't change the fact that the sun provides it. You can go in a cave and hide from the warmth that it brings. It doesn't change the fact that the sun is warm and brings light. He is glorified because he has glory. But here's something so important for us to understand. I'm going to bring us back to the question that I told you I think would be thematic for this semester, this year, but even beyond that, really for our lives, such an important question. What does God desire? We're so hung up on what we desire and what we want, and he places the right desires within us. But what does he desire? God doesn't just desire to be all that he is. He desires that all that he is, is experienced. He desires that it's understood. He desires that it's felt, that it's interacted with. He desires in all things and for all things that it would be repeated, put on display, experienced, enjoyed, and replicated. That's what he wants. And in the ultimate version of that, God in realizing himself, this God who is somehow indivisible, singular, replicated himself. It says that the Son was begotten of the Father. The very essence of himself replicated in the Son. He is perfect. 
because he is God. God the Father and God the Son. Perfect. Each of them. Perfect love. Perfect holiness. Perfect righteousness. Everything perfect. And we know from Scripture in Jesus' own words in places like John 1, where he was together with God. And later Jesus would, would say in John 17 that he had glory together with God before the foundation of the world. And it would even go on to say that he had love together with God. Of course, there was this perfect communion, this perfect experiencing and enjoying, this perfect pleasure and desire and joy and love between the Father and between the Son. How could there not be? You take pleasure and joy in people who are far from perfect in your life. How could there not be delight between God the Father and God the Son? And here's something that I want to present before you today because I think it will help us out so much in understanding who this Holy Spirit is who empowers us to do the things that we do to understand the things that we get to understand. It's so important. I want to put this before you. Somehow, now my words, language, all the languages of the world, my mind can't comprehend and no language can fully express the reality of what I'm about to say. But somehow, that love, that pleasure, that delight between the Father and Son was embodied in the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that delight, that interaction, that love between a perfect father and a perfect son, so perfect that it created within itself a third person of the Holy Spirit. Perfect. And we know he's a person. Some people try to explain him as an energy or a force like electricity, but Scripture tells us that that's not the case. In fact, we see throughout Scripture in multiple places that he thinks, the Holy Spirit thinks, he feels, he decides, he speaks, he teaches, he intercedes for us, he guides. He can also be lied to. You ever lied to electricity before? He can be insulted. He can be grieved. He's a person. This is as weighty as it is divine. Holy Spirit is more than just the feeling of love and joy and delight. He is love and joy and delight. He is the manifested person of the love and the joy and delight that first existed between God the Father and God the Son. And so I think that this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, the manifested person of the love, joy, and delight that existed between the Father and the Son all before the world ever began also helps us understand how he accomplishes his primary task in the world today. And another impossible task, as simply as I can put it, the Holy Spirit's task, his role in the world today is this to help us understand the glory of God the Father and Jesus the Son and to help us create appropriate responses to that. 
You see, when we come to a place of truly understanding the goodness and glory and beauty and splendor of God the Father and Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit isn't just giving us an understanding of it, like handing us a piece of wisdom or knowledge. He's giving us his very self. He is that experience. He is that love. It's not just like a book here. Now you understand it. He is giving of himself. He is giving of his essence of that love between father and son. He's more. He is a guide, and he is a teacher, and he is a counselor and an advocate, but he's more than that. He is the things that he is helping us to understand. And if God is after a relationship with us where we truly understand all that he is and we truly enjoy it and respond to it, then it makes sense that he would place within us the very experience, the very person who existed between father and son in the first place, him. And so while the father sent the son who was manifested and revealed to us in a fleshly human form in Jesus, he has also sent to us that which he is after, relationship. And since God is spirit, he sent this to us in spirit form into our spirits to help us understand and respond to the goal of God's glory and perfection, relationship. The Holy Spirit helps us understand what God is after and helps us step into what he's after. And you can't do it. We learned it last week. You can't accomplish those two things, either of them, apart from his work and apart from his help. Now, those responses that he helps us do come in many forms, and they're best understood as we talk about the different works that the Holy Spirit does in the world today, and there are so many of them. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I've already listed things out and talked about things that are covered in a multitude of Scripture, and we're not going to have time to list out and read out every single one of them, but I will send out in the midweek email my notes, which have everything that I'm saying, Scripture attached to them and why I'm saying them. Okay? So summarized, we can perhaps uh, divide the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today into five categories of work, how he empowers, how he purifies, how he reveals, how he unifies, and how he transforms, okay? We don't have enough time today, even if I were to extend this service by three hours to go through all those things. (laughs) We don't have the time. Simply today, I I want us to be made aware that he does these things. We will spend the next few weeks diving in to some of these things. But when we see what he does, it helps us understand who he is and what he desires and how he works. So the first one, the Holy Spirit empowers. He empowers people. We see this throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. We see that he gives us power for life and regeneration. John 6, 63 says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Thank you. One person has learned that truth. It's okay. We learn it more over and over. The flesh is no help at all. It's the spirit who gives life. He gives us power for extraordinary service. Judges 3.10 said, The spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. 
If you look at Exodus chapter 31, after Moses had been told, hey, by God, hey, build the tabernacle, have it set up like this, set up these systems, all these different things, which will be a foreshadowing of that which is to come. I want you to have these things built. And he says, by the way, in Exodus 31, verses 1 through 3, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stone for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, and of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Please do not be so arrogant as to think that you are gifted and you are skilled in and of yourself. Do you see that? In a couple of weeks, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, you see that he even did that down to the working with silver and with gold and setting stone that God placed his Spirit upon people to do that. Sometimes we want to do, I'm so down, all I can do is lay bricks. You need the Holy Spirit to do that right. <laughs> You're not dumb, by the way. With ability and intelligence. <laughs> what do he say? Thank you. You're welcome. Just want to speak words of affirmation and life over you. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence. Knowledge and all craftsmanship. Amen. He empowers us, and we see even how he empowered Jesus himself. Luke 4.14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report went about him throughout all the surrounding country. Acts 10.37-38, through 38, Peter stands up and says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about, after that, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We even saw that he gave him power to cast out demons. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 12, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Don't miss that. Jesus himself said, I cast out demons. Jesus, who is God, said, I cast out demons by the power of the Spirit of God. Some of you who've been with us for a while know what I'm about to say. How dare you think you can do it apart from the Spirit of God? He gives us power to worship. Philippians 3, 3 says, For we are the circumcision who God, who, sorry, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. If you are in a place this morning that went from speak singing the name Jesus to Yeshua and it shook you 
to your core. All you are doing is singing the name of Jesus, but for some reason, it is so real and so deep, and the only way your body knows how to handle it is tears. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. He empowers us to go beyond saying the words and speaking the words. And I don't just mean in it sounding good, but it being good. He is the one who does that. He gives us, he empowers us for ministry, just in the charge that Jesus gave the disciples in Acts 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He empowers us for many things. The Holy Spirit also purifies. We call this process sanctification. The Holy Spirit makes people holy. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul tells the Corinthian believers, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Spirit goes on to give and produce fruit in our lives, which we'll dive into in the coming weeks. The Holy Spirit also reveals. Peter tells us about how the prophets spoke in 2 Peter 1.21, saying, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In a similar way, he revealed himself to the apostles when it said that he would guide them into all truth. Jesus told them in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He also reveals God in the lives of individual believers. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Sometimes the Holy Spirit provides individual direction. We see examples of that, like Philip, when he went to go speak with the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. The Spirit said, go to that chariot. Acts 8.29, that's where that was. Uh, And at other times, believers walk by the Spirit and have a sense of being led by the Spirit. Last week, we talked about the Spirit's role in what we call illumination or bringing an understanding, like a light turned on to understand. I may have read this 50 times, but all of a sudden, light bulb, I get it. I see it. I understand it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals. You know, some people um, almost complain when Christians talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, they're okay with you talking about the Father. And they're all about, let's be Jesus freaks. It makes sense. It's Christianity. It should be centered around Jesus Christ. But they talk about how much people sometimes speak about the Holy Spirit, almost as though it's some sort of disservice to talk so much about Holy Spirit. And to that, I would say two things. Number one, I would say that comment 
probably exposes your lack of complete understanding of the Trinity itself. That Holy Spirit is Jesus, who is the Father. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is God, as the Father is God. We would never complain about you talking about the Father too much. We would never complain about you talking about Jesus too much. Let us not believe it is a disservice to talk about Holy Spirit so much. And the second thing I would say is, if that's what you truly believe, I lovingly challenge how many conversations you have had with Holy Spirit. Because he is talking about the Father, and he is talking about the Son constantly, all the time. When he's talking to you, he's talking about you in reference to the Father and to the Son. He is magnifying the glory of the Father and of the Son. He's trying to help you understand the relationship they have and the relationship that you're being invited into. Now, I do want to be fair. That comment isn't to say that people don't experience the Holy Spirit. I just think that there's a lot of people who express what I just said who haven't learned to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. They've come to this understanding and haven't realized that it is through Him and by Him, Holy Spirit, that they receive that understanding. All that is good. So don't hear that as though someone who makes that comment doesn't know the Holy Spirit or hasn't ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's just sometimes it's important for us, and this is why this is so crucial. It is absolutely crucial, and it's detrimental if we don't. To teach and to learn what it means to be led by the Spirit of God because there's no way we can do this actual faith. We can actually live out this Christian life apart from a complete dependence upon him. He is the method. We have this thing. I don't remember where we first heard it, but we said it all the time. Whichever part of the Trinity of God that was most present and active in the world was the least understood in that time. If they understood God the Father, they wouldn't have eaten from that tree. They wouldn't have believed the lie that, oh, he doesn't want you to be more. He's, He's afraid you'll be like him they understood him, they wouldn't have done it. If they understood who Jesus was, they would have never put him on that cross. If we understood who Holy Spirit is, we would seek his companionship constantly. Holy Spirit also unifies He unifies the community of believers. In Acts, the Holy Spirit worked so greatly that they literally came together and shared all things in common. In other ways, the Holy Spirit brings peace, love, and harmony in God's people. The body of Christ is unified by the Holy Spirit regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of where they've come from, regardless of how rough they were or separated they were. In fact, God doesn't command us to create unity with other believers. Instead, we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in Ephesians 4. While Christ made our unity possible through his substitutionary sacrifice, Christ, or excuse me, Paul calls what we enjoy together the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This good thing when you come together 
is a fellowship of the Holy Spirit within you, within me, and within them. Can our unity be strengthened and deepened? Absolutely. But we are helpless to produce it. It is the Spirit who enables us to forgive others, to find evidences of God's work in those around us that are driving us nuts, and to love others with a love that transcends our petty squabbles and cold hearts. This is also important because if we gather together to enjoy a fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and at the same time we are also taught that to each is given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, then that means that we, each of us, as a member of a congregation and of a fellowship, we need to be seeking ways to improve and enhance and even maintain our fellowship together by seeking the Spirit to work in us and through us. Does that make sense? If, if what we are charged to do here is to maintain the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then what I need you to do and what you need me to do and what everybody else in this room needs from each and every one who calls himself a believer and follower of Jesus Christ is to be so partnered and in sync with and led by the Holy Spirit that what he wants to do through you is brought about for us. It's not a, I love that. I love what you guys are doing. I'm just, I don't, I don't I'm, I'm just not there. I'm, I'm okay. Like, it's not about that. We each need you to be led by the Spirit because there's something he wants to do uniquely in you and through you for the building up and edifying of his people, of his church. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit transforms us. God never intends for us to leave these gatherings unchanged or unaffected. Just as God saves us to make us like his son, he calls us together for the same purpose. And how do we change? Not by hearing another list of things we aren't doing, resolving to do better next time, or groveling in our sinfulness. The Spirit changes us as we behold the glory of Christ in the gospel and in his word. He is the Holy Spirit who works to free us from all defiling things like sin. And this takes us back to the very first passage that we read, that it is him who works in us, both to will and to act according to all that pleases him. So here's the application. The Holy Spirit is more evident depending on our response. Clint came up and read a passage that you will hear more. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, Seek, knock. The whole passage that that comes from ends with how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do you not understand? This is why we have to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to accomplish. Because if I don't understand who he is and what his role is on the earth, then I'm going to come to a place where I'm like, I don't know, maybe he will, maybe he won't work in me to see that lived out in my life. What are you talking about? That's his very purpose. That's like wondering if a teacher would care to teach you. That's like wondering if a lifeguard would care to save you. 
why he exists. It's what he's here to accomplish in you. It's what he's here to reveal is the Father's heart, is the Son's heart. The unfortunate side is that it depends on how we respond. He can be resisted. He can be grieved. And his work can be quenched. But on the positive side, we can partner with the Holy Spirit by submitting to his will. The early church was described as walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And when it did so, it multiplied. You want to see a city transformed? May we be the church who is led by God's Spirit and sees his work more clearly. Romans 8, 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So I finish with this. I could have just read those two passages of Scripture. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's he who works within you both to will and to act. Don't be foolish. If you began by the Spirit, are you going to be perfected by the flesh? See the work that the Spirit has for us. I could say that and I could stop right there, but I want us just for a second, I want to appeal to the side of our hearts that Jesus himself appealed to in his disciples. See, Jesus, being the kind of shepherd that he was, he knew what was about to happen. He knew the cross that lay before him that the disciples still had not yet understood. He knew what they would feel. He knew what would be going on in their hearts when their Jesus was taken from them and crucified and remained in that grave. He knew so he looked into their eyes and he said something to them. And I want to suggest that what he said is, more, is one of the most wild things that Jesus said throughout Scripture. Even more wild than him telling the crowd of people, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you are not worthy to be my disciples. Again, we understand that metaphorically. But even more wild than that, he said this right here. It is better that I go. Can you imagine that? Like, just think for a second. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah that for thousands of years it's been prophesied that he was coming. This is God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine? Just, just try to picture it. This God that you've desired to know that's, that's maybe felt distant is so near. He's literally there. You wake up every morning and he's there. You can touch him. You can hug him. Jesus, you can look in his eyes and feel the love without him having to say a word. He's right there. And he looks into your eyes and tells you, it is to your advantage that I leave because of this truth. It is better 
that the Holy Spirit is within you than that Jesus be with you. Listen, I live on this side of the cross, this side of thousands of years of teachings and explanation of that reality. And I can't say with the confidence that I would do much better than Peter did when hearing about the cross, he looked at Jesus and said, may you never die. May that never be true. And he was rebuked sharply for it. I don't know. Having known all that I know, that in that moment of having spent the past three years with him so real and so tangible and so right there, that I still could have let go of it. But can I suggest that if that phrase feels off, that it's better that the Holy Spirit is within you than for Jesus to be with you. Can I lovingly suggest that maybe there's just something we haven't fully understood about this life, about this Holy Spirit? And can I say that in a positive way? Maybe it just suggests that there's so much more that is before you. There is an adventure before you of understanding the depths of what I'm talking about today. But I invite you simply, not just, not just in obedience to the commands of Scripture to be empowered, to lean upon and depend upon the Holy Spirit. I'm asking us to trust Jesus' words. That it's to your advantage that we go on this journey empowered by His Spirit. Stand with me. You need to know that if you have never trusted in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, this simply isn't available, but it's being offered to you. You were created with a hole in your spirit that's an orphan spirit. Whether or not you have two physical parents in your life, there is a relationship with the God who created you that your heart at its depths desire. It's an orphaned spirit that you've not yet stepped into because you've not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior who adopts you into that family. Then you're sealed with God himself in your spirit. Can I invite you today, if you've never done that, to do that. When we sing another song, would you come down here and find a prayer and ministry warrior and just say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And this week, I want to make this so simple and so tangible, but please don't overlook it because it's so simple and tangible. I want our next step for this week and then for the next week and for the next week, I want it to be where we take this invitation today we say, okay, I'm going to practice partnering with, depending upon, and being empowered by Holy Spirit. And I'm not even going to give you a specific direction what that is. If it's in prayer, do it. If it's in worship, do it. If it's sitting at the cafe and boldly going and speaking and asking to pray over the person over there that you feel like God has something that he wants to share with them, do it. And next Sunday, I mean it. I want to open this stage to hear some of your stories of radical boldness, empowered. Listen, you're scared to do it. 
You should be. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Because it's not in your strength, it's not in your skill set that it will be accomplished. It is through Him. Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you've done. Holy Spirit, I thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for all that you are doing. Increase our desire for you. Holy Spirit, empower us for every bit that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the next step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website linked below.